my name is Christian Graham, and I am a youth pastor in uh, on an island in the Chesapeake Bay, Maryland. It's called Kent Island. If you've ever been to, uh, anybody here been to DC, Washington DC? Has anybody here been to Maryland? Has anybody here been to Annapolis? Ooh, if you go from Annapolis and you draw, there's a four and a half mile long bridge. It's considered the scariest bridge in the United States. I have a hard time believing that, but that's what the internet keeps on saying. So it's got to be true. Uh, don't believe it. And they do say it's the scariest bridge. Four and a half mile long bridge, and you land on Kent Island. And then uh, you go about four and a half miles, and you're off of Kent Island on the mainland, uh, Eastern Shore of Maryland. Um, and that's where we live. Uh, three of my students are here. Um, the rest of them have probably heard it before. Um, so a couple weeks ago, John called me and said we've had one of our um, seminar speakers uh, not to be able to come. Can you do it? And I said, I'll do whatever you need. So <clears throat> then I left for camp with middle school students for a week. They had 40 middle school students at Harvey Cedars Bible Conference. We got back one day. I washed my clothes, put them back in the bag, and here we are. Um, so the last class got to work out some of the bugs of what I was going to say. Um, so John asked me to speak on something I was passionate about. And I told him I was very passionate about Christian community. And um, the reason I, here's the reason why. Um, I, um, I've been involved in youth ministry since 1976, uh, when I was a, I'll say, wow, I'm not that old. Um, when I was a high school student, a senior in high school, I helped run one of the first uh, wildlife, I guess we call it middle school young life back then, in the country. I think, it's, I think it was one of the first ones in the country, I don't know for sure. And then when I was in college, I worked with uh, Young Life in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I was in college. And then uh, I, um, uh, with a, my parents uh, ran a middle school ministry at our church. We had a lot of kids in it. And so I helped run that ministry with, with my now wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and, uh, and ever since then, I've been involved in youth ministry as a volunteer or as a full-time youth pastor. So uh, 21 years ago, we started our church, the daughter church at the mother church uh, in Napa CP. And uh, we all started the church, and then my wife and I run the youth ministry, and they um, eventually asked me to be the, the youth pastor they wanted to hire me. So um, I didn't know what I was doing, except for this. I didn't have official training. I just had the experiences. And for about five years, I would flip around what I was supposed to be and not supposed to be doing and why. And I finally, uh, after waiting through this, I guess I wasn't the smartest guy around 55 years to figure it out. Um, my focus is on having Christian community for my students. Uh, that's my, so if you ask me why I'm doing anything in my youth group, I can connect it back there somehow or another. Um, so th that's why I do what I do in youth ministry. Uh, one of the reasons, another reason why it's become a passion for me is because I've seen a lot of our students uh, go, come from middle school, high school, and when they go off to college, they leave um, the church. And I think there's a recent statistic out that over 50% of students, when, when you even go to churches, when they go off to college, will leave uh, their uh, faith community and not return. Um, and we've had that happen a lot, and it breaks my heart. Uh, so, I th and well, let me pray, and then I'll tell you why I think that is, because uh, that'll be kind of fundamental to what we're going to talk about. Uh, so, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this chance to sit down and look at your family and look at what you would have for us, look at why you love your family, why you 
send your spirit to be with us as we look at this. Uh, help me to be um, easily understood. Uh, help me to say the things that should be said in your son's name. Um, I think I've, I've, there's a lot of reasons why, and you'll probably hear this, why uh, students leave uh, community when they go off. And I think, you know, one of the reasons uh, was that I've heard said set up. Students have made the faith their own. It's their parents' faith. It's their church faith. It's not their own. And I think that there's uh, a lot of truth to that. Uh, recently, oh, let me back up a second and I'll tell you this. I, I want to give credit where I won't say hardly anything that's original all on my own. Uh, I'm not that kind of, I'm not gifted. My gifts are elsewhere. I'm, I'm a connector. Uh, I know everybody on Kent Island and everybody knows me. I talk to everybody. Uh, I drive my family out of their mind when we go somewhere. I'm the only one in my family who just spoke to anybody and talked to them and want to know where they're from and why, what they do, and so forth. Um, so literally, when I went around to see where you guys are from, I'm seriously interested in where everybody's from. I don't know half these places down south, both millions of north compared to you guys. Um, but I really am seriously interested in, I want to know more about her. Uh, she's like been like blasting in, on, you know, right when we were doing the last she's one. She's just like you. But, <laughs> so, we connect her too. So, um, anyhow, uh, I, I have a tendency, I can read something and say, oh, that's one, that's good, or that's a piece of garbage. <laughs> really funny thing, I don't want to get too, we're going to run out of time. But when I, after about five years of being a youth minister, I didn't know what to teach from. I'm not really a writer, but write things myself. And I needed to grab stuff, and I started grabbing a lot of material. And after about five years, I really looked at my bookshelf. I took over half my books and I put them in a box, and I said, none of those are any good. And I like, who can I give you this? And then I said, why would I give anybody these bad books? And I threw them all in the trash. That's a good dump throw back. Um, I tell you what, the bookstore here, there's not a bad book in there. It's the best book. I don't read, now you guys don't go to bookstores. I used to go to bookstores, and I'd, I'd go to a Christian bookstore, and I'd walk by 70% of the books. They were no good. I was like, every book in there is good. Any book that you see a topic on, you grab. That's where I get all the books from now. Uh, but um, so what you'll, what I'll talk from is mostly from these books. So if you hear something and say, oh, that sounds like Francis Chan, it probably is. If you say, oh, that sounds like Tim Keller, that probably is. So let us to the church. Uh, if, if this topic strikes you, this is his newest book. I haven't read through this whole thing yet, although I have read the first five chapters about three times because it's, um, is that profound? And I keep on giving it to somebody at the week booking when I get it back, it's so good. It's very convicting, but it's really good. Um, C.J. Mahaney, while, uh, Why Small Groups? Or this is again about community, and it's really good stuff. This one I haven't read it, I wanna read. I got this last year here and I haven't read it, I just haven't had a chance. Uh, Kevin DeYoung and Ted Clark, Why We Love the Church. I just seemed that I brought this with me to read, actually. Um, Gospel-centered community. If you any youth pastors here want to, this book is phenomenal. Uh, I'm not going to have a chance to do much out of this book. It really goes in depth, but this really is about if you're a community gospel-centered, what does that mean? How does that work? Uh, this is just a delightful little book. Uh, From Brokenness to Community. It's real small. Everybody should read this. It's actually written by a, um, I think a Catholic priest. So good. Uh, and then the other book I use a lot is this right here. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, but um, they, this thing's so low, I can't see it for a while, and I can't pull up because it's, it's taped down. 
Uh, oh, so here's uh, the rest of my intro. Uh, the reason why I think so many people leave community, and this was something, a newer revelation to me from um, uh, Paul Miller. Uh, if you know the Praying Life, uh, See Jesus, Love Walked Among Us. Uh, I've re done the study of Love Walked Among Us a couple years ago. I didn't understand really the big picture what he was up to until recently, and I, I, I ran into a couple guys from See Jesus. I'm telling you all these names, so if you want to know what these are later, I'll get into names more, you'll, you'll have it. But um, I took these guys to El Salvador in March, and I was really struck by something. And I think that the, if you don't find Jesus precious, if you don't find Jesus truly beautiful, um, you won't really have the same motivation to stay in community. And what I mean when I say that, I think everybody in this room, including me, we all, we all know that what Jesus has done for us is precious and beautiful. Yeah, that's true. It's profound. It's huge. But the person of Jesus himself is the person Jesus. The man Jesus, is he beautiful? Is he precious to you? Uh, the see Jesus thing, they take, Paul Miller's taking the stories of Jesus and he goes into any little detail and looks at it. And when you're done going through the study, all of a sudden you, you find Jesus beautiful like you've never found him before. And you want to imitate him. And it changes everything. And I think part of the reason that we can connect with the humanness of Jesus. But um, Robert Rowe, we're trying to develop public credit. Robert Rowe does a great explanation of this. He's with C. Jesus. He used to be a youth pastor down at um, in Chattanooga. And he's, he was at the RYM youth leader training last year. But um, he says that we don't know how to be human because we're broken, we're fallen. We really don't. We do a terrible job of being good humans or real human. And he says that Jesus was human 2.0. And uh, our, the Bible says he was the second Adam. And when you really look at that, you see how precious Jesus is. Would you be willing to sell everything? I would rephrase that. Would you be willing to joyfully sell everything just to have Jesus? Uh, of course, that, that's the parable uh, about the field, you know, the parable of the field. The guy working the field, wherever he finds the treasure, and he covers it back up. He joyfully sells everything he has by the field down the trail. And I think we're often not, and this is why we leave community. We haven't found Jesus or community for God's kingdom or his word, or his commands, that beautiful and that precious. And until we do, we're willing to have other things in the way. We're willing to not sell everything. Um, so we'll talk about that some more, but that's my uh, big passion and my motivation for that. Um, so if you go back to the beginning, and we'll start out, uh, and we won't look these Bible verses up. You guys know the story. Uh, when God made us, he made us in his image. One of the big images, image-bearing things that we have about God is that God uh, lived in community before he made us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if it's, um, I'm not sure who said this. But he says it's like a dance. Um, the father loves the son 
the Son loves the Spirit, the Spirit loves the Father, the Father loves the Spirit, the, and the Father glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Spirit, the Spirit glorifies the Father, the Son, this whole, and it's like a dance. And God didn't need us. He didn't even make us. He was completely happy, completely satisfied, completely full of joy. He didn't need something to, to worship him or glorify him. He had it going on, completely. But out of that love and out of that, he created us in his image. And one of the big ways we reflect God when we are in his image is to be in community. Uh, so in um, Genesis 2, 8, I guess it is, uh, he said that when he created Adam, he said that it is not good that Adam is alone. Um, and um, well, this really doesn't have a whole lot to do with this topic, but it gives me an excuse. And so I didn't tell you this, but I used to be a full-time magician, and uh, I've done magic for um, the president of the United States. I've done magic for a couple shows for the vice president. I've done shows for Ted Kennedy and Congress. I've done the Senate. I've done shows for the Supreme Court of El Salvador. Um, I've done a bunch of craziness. And so it's just something I like to do. So I'm going to do a magic trick. Yes, mine is a magic trick. Uh, so, I don't do gospel magic. I never do gospel. I do magic in chapels so a long time ago to speak. And so the connection here is really big, but I just want some reason to do this for you guys. All right? You guys don't mind? All right. Hi, you're right. Can you stand up here for a second? Can you come help me? Yeah, I need somebody to do my touch. No, I need somebody to do that. Can somebody kind of back from up here? Right here. I need a girl. Yeah, you right here. Okay. And what's your name? Elizabeth. And what's your name? Emma. Emma? Yes. Where are you from? Johnson City, Tennessee. Johnson City. Where are you from? Yeah. 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 Guys, have actually you can stand up if you want. So, anyhow, um, again, you'll have to get the bag connected yourself. I'm not even connected anymore. In this bag, this is a brown bag. In the brown bag, I have a magic rabbit. Can you take the rabbit out and show it to everybody? He's not in there. No. Wait a minute, he's not in the brown bag. Maybe he's in the animal bag. See if he's in the animal bag. Is he in the animal bag? What? Yeah. He's not in the animal bag. Maybe he's in the blue bag. See if he's in the blue bag. Is he in the blue bag? Maybe he's in the flower bag. See if he's in the flower bag. Is he in the flower bags? He's not in the flower bag? No, he's not in there. It's a rainbow bag. Magic. It's got to be in there. See if he's in the rainbow bag. Is he in the rainbow bag? He's not in the rainbow bag? You can't do this right. Oh, there's a zipper. There he is. Oh, there you go. Here, you hold him for and we'll do something really cool.
arms. Watch. Now, if you had the mommy and daddy, what would be missing?
somebody to restore this community. Uh, we even have problems in our churches. Uh, the part of the, um, the problem that our churches with relationship is to rub up against us and show us our sin. And hopefully we'll have time to get to that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about it tomorrow some. But I just want to tell you real quick uh, a story about uh, our pastor. You don't normally remember real details of sermons. You usually get a general thing. You learn things. And, and you maintain that you change your worldview. You view a God in yourself and so forth. But I remember a sermon back in the 1970s. I'll never forget it. And back in the 70s when uh, contemporary Christian music first came out, Amy Grant and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's Amy Grant is. She's still around. But um, uh, Larry Norman, you might know who Larry Norman is. Larry Norman was amazing. One of the first Jesus, long-haired. Anyhow, come up, good stuff. Um, uh, there was a lot. The churches, you know, there's a lot of little bit turmoil about should we be doing contemporary music or hymns. And I remember our pastor saying, "Here's what your church should do. If you're sitting in a pew and you like contemporary music, and the person sitting next to you likes hymns." You should desire that your church does hymns. If you like hymns, and the person sitting next to you likes contemporary music, you should desire that your church does contemporary music. And um, so you, you see the difference? You see a different part, a different thing in the community? Well, um, we need somebody to save us from that. Of course, that person is Jesus. So when Jesus died on the cross, took our sin, he paid a price to redeem us, to buy us back. Um, he bought us back. He bought us to be in his family. And his redeemed family of God are supposed to declare the excellencies of God. So how precious we find Jesus, how precious we find, we find our redemption, how precious we find our community, and how much we'll be able to declare this so that's a redeemed community. So I'm going to read, I want to show you a picture. You guys have probably seen this uh, verse totally talking about community. Oh, I forgot to do this. I got the last group mixed up. These are the three days. <laughs> I was telling the last group, I literally just have been working on this. I have so much stuff because we've talked about this a lot in our youth groups over the years, and I had to weed it down. The, the first outline I did, I had nine days of stuff, literally. And, I, and I, I'm a really scattered brain. Um, I have to have something together. So another youth pastor last week at camp, uh, he's, really, he's really good at organizing stuff. And I said, I, I, I got three days. He goes, bam, bam. I said, ooh, that's it. And literally, that's it. This is what he said as a man. He got it. So this is what we're going to talk about today, the necessity and command for community. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the value of community for God's family. And uh, the next day we're going to talk about God's family's impact on the world. Um, so anyhow... I should have done it before, but here we are. So this is a picture of, uh, that I think a lot of people use uh, to talk about what Christian community should be like. Um, and this is Acts chapter 2, starting verse 42. This is in the early church, you know, after the Holy Spirit came down. Uh, so listen to this description of community. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Um, that's a community that I want to be a part of. Isn't that a beautiful community? Uh, we'll break it down a little bit later, but I mean, you get a chance, if you get a chance, read that again. Um, it, it is a beautiful thing. Uh, I tell you, we had, um, early on in the life of our church, um, when <laughs> our church started, we, we were a Sunday school class in the mother church, and then when we, the first Sunday we started, we um, went into kind of an intimate setting, and I had my um, karaoke machine was our sound system. And we had hired a guy who was doing our Sunday school, and we was start the church, and we set up about 120 chairs, and he said, take a bunch of those chairs down, I want them to run into the field. So we have like 80 chairs. The first Sunday we had 135 people. Um, and the only reason I can tell you is God, it was God's work. Within a couple of years, we had about 250 people, and half of the people were new believers. And we experienced a lot of this early in the life of our church. I think we're missing some of this now. Uh, but we experienced a lot of that, and, and we did everything we know in the early life of our church. Um, but a lot of people say that actual picture is not possible today. Francis Chan talks about this. A lot of people say in our culture in America, that's not really possible. That's, that's unrealistic. Uh, he disagrees. He thinks it is possible. I think he's right. I've seen that. And I, I think later I'm going to explain to you an experience uh, that we've experienced a number of times, and I'll explain that to you. And I think you'll see why. Um, and here's another command, or another reason why we should have communion. And see if I can remember. It's from First Corinthians, talking about the body. First um, Corinthians four. Oh, wait, I don't know what. No, it's First Corinthians. Wow, that's verse four. I can't remember what chapter it is. Do you know what chapter that is? It's in First Corinthians. You can find it. Um, now these are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Chapter 12, by the way. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracle. To another prophecy. To another ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of the tongues. All of these are empowered by one spirit, the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many are though, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If a foot should say, because I am not a hand, that do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ears should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But... As it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chooses. That goes on. I'm not going to read the rest of it here because uh, we're not going to have the time. But you guys can finish reading that. But um, so you see, there, there's a quote from, uh, and I don't know the guy's name, uh, a great quote that's really stuck with me. Uh, it's from a little book that called Be the Church. So if you, it, and it's online. It, I got it off the line, I read it off the line. But he says, you don't go to church. 
you are the church. Uh, I don't have time to go into all this. Actually, I wish I did. This is one of the things that really struck me. But I, if you look in, in Peter, he talks about where the building stones of the temple now. And that people don't go to the temple to have somebody intercede for them to God. But those of us of God are the ones that have intercessions. We are now the interceders for other people. People want God, they come to us. You are the church, you don't go to church. Don't forget that. Um, so, not only that, when you see this picture of the body, not only do you need the church, the church needs you. When you decide to leave, the church is missing an arm, or missing a leg, or limping around. Uh, I mean, that's really true. That's more profound than, I think that's really good. Um, that's more profound than you know. And I have seen it, being a, an elder in our church, being a youth pastor church for so long, when certain people leave for certain reasons, that aren't very good reasons, and how much it hurts the body. Um, so, the, uh, I talk, I'll talk a lot about the body and the community in terms of youth group, because that's what I deal with mostly. Um, I try to make sure that our youth group is not a separate part of the church. Uh, we do a lot of things separately, just like small groups and stuff, but we want to be an integral part of the church that's been critical to the church. Um, I have a, a student, uh, Gabe Donahue. Uh, Gabe Donahue was adopted from uh, Korea when he was a year and a half old by our family in our church. He's now 20. Um, he is um, the sweetest guy you would ever meet, and I couldn't do half of what I do with youth group without Gabe Donahue. He's a worker. Um, he loves the youth group. Like, he would be here this week, except that he just got a new job. He was my intern last year. He's building guitars for PRS guitars. And then he was a new guy. They wouldn't let him off with the drive meet or else he would have with us. Um, he uh, comes in early, sets everything up, breaks everything down uh, with me. He uh, does helps me lead my Bible studies for the, the, the middle school kids. He's at the high school things. He's at the college things. He's an integral part. He's, a, he's, a, he's probably two arms. Uh, I had um, Becca Jordan uh, would be here this week. She was just in Guatemala last week. The week before that, she was at, no, last week she was with me at middle school camp. The week before that, she was in Guatemala. And I said, well, you need to stay home. But I sent her off. Now she's going to go take a small group up to New York. Because she's a connector. She's like me. She's a connector. She's not quite as, well, she is as I talk to the guys, but she's not quite as, doesn't like to be up front like I do, but she, every kid that comes in, she'll make him feel, I don't care what the kid's like, she'll make them feel comfortable, make them feel loved, make them feel part of the group. Uh, so you see, if Becca were missing, Becca, I'm going to miss Becca. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to miss Becca next year because she's going off to college. And I need, I, need another, I need another leg brought back into my youth group or into our church to help me. So anyhow. Um, here's another. Here's another reason why uh, the community is commanded, or is necessary, is needed. Uh, my favorite verse: "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellency of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light." Uh, in, in Colossians three sixteen, I think so, it says almost the exact same thing. Except instead of saying people for its own possession, he says dearly loved. If you look at um, right before they give the Ten Commandments, 
says the same thing. Um, and uh, this is our identity, but interesting thing about this one is that we're a new race. You're a new race. You, you now are the new human. You're supposed to be the one that's showing the world what it means to be human. You're a new race together. And um, you have a deeper thing in common with a believer in Uzbekistan than you do with your neighbor who is of the same race as you and who lives in the same community, speaks the same language, eats the same thing, and looks the same way, and dresses the same thing, watches the same TV show. You have a deeper, uh, what's the right word? I'm, I'm losing my thought here. Uh, but you have a deeper connection because of this right here. Um, I, I, I'll give you an example. So. I'm pretty um, extreme about a lot of things, everything, and I had to, I, when I turned about 50, I realized how extreme I was, my personality. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, because um, I don't do anything halfway, and that's probably a good thing in a way, but I try to do way too many things. So like, I'm into photography, and I'm not I've done weddings and stuff, I, I do a decent picture, a lot of people are a lot better than me. But I had to go out and buy a $5,000 camera. I'm a youth patcher. I don't have the money to buy a $5,000. I, was, I literally sold my daughter's um, bond for her college to buy that. So I'll have to replace that or something. Uh, <laughs> I, no, no lie. I literally did that. The, the camera is, uh, I'm going to take where it is because you want it. Uh, it got stolen twice. Um, I, um, I do coffee. I'm going to talk about coffee later. The extreme, how extreme I am with my coffee is that I. Um, I've actually picked my own coffee and roasted the whole nine yards. I'll talk about that later. Um, so I, go to, I went to El Salvador in uh, 2002. There's an earthquake that devastated the country, and we had a Salvadoran friend who asked us to go out and help. I've been to El Salvador 43 times. Um, and uh, some of my best friends in the world live in El Salvador. I know this is embarrassing. I've been there 43 times. And I don't speak very good Spanish. I'm terrible. I know they leave, they laugh when I leave the room. Um, but they um, are my dearest friends. Some, not my dearest, some of my dearest friends. Some of them, literally, if I were to name my top ten best friends, my top five best friends, Salvadoran people sit in there. I talk to some of them every week, uh, and he's as bad as English as I'm Spanish. And so we now we we have a tendency not to call each other because we can't understand each other. And so we we text. And we have Google Translator with us, so we can kind of understand each other. And we talk to them all the time, and it, it's just it's just wonderful. And it, <laughs> I don't like half their food down there. They don't eat like I do. I mean, they'll shoot a lizard out of the tree. You know, we shot these big lizards, robots, out of the trees, and they cook them and eat them. It tastes like eating a shoe. It's horrible. <laughs> they have uh, their tortillas down there. I like eating the dry newspaper. They're um, I, I just don't. I like the rice. And the beans to agree. Uh, you know, they give me an egg, I'm really thrilled. Um, they don't they don't act like they don't dress they don't listen to music or anything. Uh, but we have such a deep connection because of Christ, because of the worship, the fellowship that, that we have together. I'm telling you, if I want someone to pray for me, I hate to say this. I don't always ask people in my church. If I want to know they're being prayed for, I ask my buddy in El Salvador. Uh, 
Uh, I'll tell you some stories about them that, uh, that connects with the community that amazing stories about these guys. But anyhow, um, I have more in common with them, not more, I have a deeper connection with them than I do my next door neighbor. Um, all right. So uh, back to the commands. How much time do we have left? Okay, so um, t here's a quote from Tim Keller that I thought was really pretty profound. Um, he says, uh, when God brings you to himself, he always brings you into a community of people who know him. Always. You cannot just come to church. You need to be a new people. You can't just be in the crowd. Um, so here's another reason. I'm, but here's a, I will tell you a little bit about my family. Just I love my family, and it's fun to talk about things that you love. Uh, this might be why I'm so extreme. Uh, these are my brothers and sisters. Wow. Yeah, that's all of them. There's no more. Uh, I, I'm the good-looking one there. Uh, this, that's the only time you'll see me in a tie unless I do another wedding or something. That was a, somebody's wedding. I can't remember who. Um, I'm, I'm number five out of ten. And um, so we all, the, the big thing that you want to be in our family is you want to be like my dad. Everybody wants to be like my dad. Everybody wants to look like, I have my dad's nose. Uh, I like this that my dad liked. I can do this like my dad could and everything. So my, my dad was, uh, I know he's my dad, I'm talking about that. My dad was the nicest guy you can meet. Literally, my dad, I've never, ever heard my dad say anything bad about anybody, ever. My dad was an elder church counselor, but he wouldn't say anything bad about anybody. He kept that, he literally kept that saying, if you can't say something nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. And he literally did that. Um, my parents never argued. They never had a fight. Never. And uh, he was the gentlest, nicest guy. He was born in West Virginia. He was born in the southern part of West Virginia. Uh, you, you guys know who the Hatfields and McCoys are? No. Hatfields are my cousins. Uh, our family was in southern part of West Virginia before the Hatfields. As a matter of fact, Wyoming County, Logan County was one county, it's down near the Kentucky border. Uh, and the first white man there was my great, 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 great grandfather. My father was born right down the street from where he lived. Uh, I mean, all my, the biggest hillbillies on the planet were my relatives. And um, my dad, uh, when he was in middle school, my grandmother didn't want to be a, a country girl, and they moved up to Charleston, which is armpit of a town, um, and my grandpa went from coal mines to Union Carbide and shoveled coal in Union Carbide. My dad went to, um, <laughs> he, went to he went to college with Charles Ransom, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> but he, um, he, uh, went to, he went to uh, Hampton City, went to grad school in, in Ohio, I was born in Ohio, and when I was five months old we moved to Annapolis, he taught at the Naval Academy, he got a PhD in physics. <laughs> And he wrote the physics books for the Naval Academy, and he worked for NASA and taught physics at the Naval Academy. He was an amazing artist, and he was an elder at the church. I'm telling you, the bragging rights in our family is if you had something in common with my father. If you're likely like, he loved babies. If my father were alive today, he would have, I think it's 50 grandchildren and 80 great grandchildren. There's 100, I have 130s nephews and nieces. I, I lost track. Actually, my, my younger sister here, she's the official counter. There's four more on the way right now. Um, so, 
it's bragging rights to, to be like my dad. So Lynn here is an amazing artist. She did all the portraits for my dad's book. Uh, she typed it. She's as sweet as my dad. She's in personality. She's like my dad. She has ten kids. Um, <laughs> she is. Um, she's really good at math as well. And she's a, a good. She she's me. She's a female version of me. Um, she does everything I do. Seriously, she's just like me. And if you do the face exchange, they actually look alike. Um, Willie's a, he's a, a colonial architect, one of the top architects in the United States for a colonial architecture. You can be stored with a lot of Williamsburg. Um, this guy is just really handsome. Uh, David is, is, again, personality just like my dad. He is a very successful businessman, one of the most generous, sweet guys that you would meet. Um, Patrick is a conductor for Amtrak, and uh, he likes, he's very much like my dad and what he likes. And Andrew is a, um, he works for a sign company, and he does, um, he's an artist. He's an amazing artist. His son's an amazing artist. So the middle girl, you want to Oh, did I didn't say anything about her? No. She, she is a mass genius. She has seven kids. and She's three years older than me, and she's getting ready to have her 29th grandchild. Um, but, uh, so my daughter the other day was so thrilled. My, my, well, my father died when he was 53. My father died in 1983. And... <laughs> Funny, sad story, but funny story. Uh, my dad, remember, he was PhD in physics. A tree fell on him and killed him. He was cutting a tree off. So you would think, it's a West Virginia, we heated our house with wood. But you would think he would know it was going to fall, but he didn't. And it killed him. Um, so he died in 1983. My daughter, 15, is so thrilled because she loves science and she's really good at science. And she's really good at art. And she goes, I'm just like Granddad. That thrilled her to no end that she's like Granddad. Why do I tell you all this? I think that we should want to love the things that Jesus loves and hate the things Jesus hates. Matter of fact, we should want to want the things Jesus loves more than we do and, and want to hate the things Jesus hates more. Um, and Jesus loves his community so much that it's called Christ. If Jesus loves his community that much, we should love his community that much. If Jesus finds it that precious, we should find it that precious. Um, how much time do I have left? Five minutes. Okay, I'm going to skip this other one. I'll talk about this one tomorrow. Um, so, if eternity is a real thing, which it is, and we're going to be together forever, which we are, then we should start acting like it today. Uh, here's the deal. We'll be together at the church for all eternity. And we're being prepared for heaven now. I've known this for a long time. I still don't get it. I know we're being made more in the image of Christ. We're being more made one desire to imitate more. We're being made to find it more precious. But we're being made for eternity now. I don't understand it. Because when we get to heaven, I'm going to be perfect. I don't get it, but I know it's true. And I believe it. And so we're, going to be, we're being made right now to, to be together for eternity. Um, I'm just going to read this last thing. I, I had, I won't get to the other nine points. But uh, I'll just end with this, with the Tim Keller point, and we'll close the prayer. Uh, here's Tim Keller again. You cannot know God apart from community. Most crucial, it's the most crucial venue for discipleship. 
is the way to work the God, the Word of God into your life. When God brings you to Himself, He always brings you to a community of people who also know <coughs> Him. You can't just come to church. You need to be new people, not just be in a crowd. You need to regularly meet, talking about God. And we'll go through one another's maybe tomorrow. Um, Alright, so tomorrow we're going to go into, what was it? There it is. The value of community for God's people. Anyhow, I hope that that motivates you guys some to want to love church, your communities, your youth groups. Uh, and tomorrow I'll give you a couple of hand-on uh, examples of that New Testament community. And it's to be stories about my youth group. Uh, we've done things where my youth group has been absolutely depressed because they had such an experience as to me they were depressed later because they wanted that, that axe from the two. All right, let me pray. <laughs> let me pray. Today, Father, we, we do thank you that you have redeemed us, that you paid a price for us to make us your people. Help us to love your community like you do. Help us to love the body like you do. We need you for that. In your son's name. Amen.